Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have Dr. Rod Shelberg. And Dr. Rod had a near-death experience, which brought him face-to-face with Jesus. And Jesus showed him how to heal and diagnose the body. So when he came back to life, he was able to go to medical school, and be able to diagnose patients in ways that no other doctor could again and again and again. And people never really knew what was going on, his colleagues. But after he retired, he finally came out to tell people the truth of what was going on. This is a wonderful conversation, guys. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Dr. Rod Shelberg. How are you doing, Dr. Rod? Hello. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to talk about your journey and, and the work that you're doing is pretty miraculous as well. Well, thank you. I, I love sharing it. Um, people need to hear this in order to have a fuller life, I believe. So I'm very honored that you're allowing me to expand my tent, if you will, and help more people. That's what I'm here to do, my friend. That is what I'm here to do. So my first question is, uh, I know you had your near-death experience young, was it, did you have any, like, what was your life like prior to it? Did you have any inclinations of the abilities that were going to come? No, um, it's unusual. I had in second grade, a strep infection that went into my kidneys and shut them down. Wow. So I was in the hospital quite sick and I was treated with penicillin. So before that I was what you would call a normal kid. Mm -hmm. And um, during a two week hospital stay in, in the middle of that, I had an allergic reaction to the medicine and I stopped breathing. It went into my lungs and I couldn't breathe. So that was the start. At two years old, or excuse me, seven years old, I didn't know what was going on. The experience was that I knew I was dying. And I started to develop tunnel vision and could not see that everything was getting black. And then finally I lost all vision. I couldn't see anything. And I had this impending feeling of death, of suffocation. I just couldn't breathe. And somewhere in there, I started to float out of my body. And it was a, it was a feeling of a movement. And I saw in this vast darkness, a brilliant white light. And I started to float towards it. So all thoughts of Rod, all thoughts of hospital of death, that all left me. And I was drifting towards this light. I felt tremendous peace love and comfort. And as I was getting closer and closer, those feelings got stronger. And I knew everything was fine. 
almost when I got to the edge of it, I started to see that inside of it was a large sphere of white light, beautiful white light. And I was like, I'm home, I'm going in. But at that moment, the uh, the staff, they started rescue medications. And immediately I was yanked back into my body with quite a thrust. And as a little child, I, I didn't know what that was. And everybody was happy. And I didn't think anything of it. I said, it must have been a dream, but I could breathe again. And and so, but I was left with tremendous peace and, and security. And so whatever that was, it, it came back with me, which was wonderful. So that's about the extent of what I remember as a, as a seven-year-old kid. And, so that was the extent of the near-death experience on the other side. Correct. Correct. So after, so... Uh, did you did you start to process it or did you really just write it off? I just wrote it off. I just wrote it off. Didn't think about it. Um, didn't tell anybody about it. I mean, I'm a little kid. They'd say, oh, it's just a dream, mm -hmm. right? Um, anyway, yeah. So what I didn't realize is that, that I picked up uh, three very special gifts that were planted inside of me. And they didn't manifest until I was later in life. Um, these divine gifts, if you will, seeds that were planted mm -hmm. and they matured and came to fruition, shall we say. And what were and what were these gifts? Well, um, the first the first gift was I could see uh, people's colors, their auras on their hearts. Mm -hmm. And I saw three colors, red blue and green and i later learned in life that uh, green is divine life um, blue is divine creativity and red is divine love and so as a child um in about 1969 the moody blues came out with their song floating among the stars and i love the moody blues and i thought i wonder if i can float so there's where i learned my second gift is that i could leave my body I could lay down in bed and um, get very comfortable, and uh, and I would float, and 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 I at first I would just float around my room, and um, thought this is really nice. But um, we had a farm, small crop farm in Minnesota, so I went out around the farm, and I could see Dad, I could see the buildings, but they couldn't see me. I was about ten feet off the ground, and then I thought. I wonder if I can go farther than this. And so I did. I went to Paris and I was down the going down a street I could as clear as any memory I I have. I could see the Eiffel Tower. I could see the red checkered tablecloths, the people. It was just so peaceful and pleasant and blissful. And and that was, that was my last journey uh Paris. Then the third gift that I developed um was the ability to, to meditate on a very deep level and connect with divine consciousness. I didn't know what it was at the time. Now I do um, with experience, but um, being able to get extremely quiet into the deepest stages of meditation and feel that divine presence within me connecting to it. And it's just like you're being held by love. So I, that, was, that was in childhood. Those were my experiences. And then none of my friends believed me and they thought I was a little crazy. So I just I just let it go and chalked it up to, I have a vivid imagination. 
Yeah. How old were you when this was happening? Well, let's see, 1969. I don't know. About 14, 13. Okay. So yeah, but you're still you're still you're still a, a baby in many ways. Uh yes. so you're still you're still a very young kid. So you still don't have really the 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 knowledge yet to kind of process this. You don't have the foundation yet to process this kind of stuff. Even and back then there was no information about any of this stuff. No, you're absolutely right. And who do I talk to? Because right. uh, nobody. Because they'll say, "Well, you're crazy." And, uh, and you didn't have a crazy aunt or or a grandma who dealt in this kind of stuff like some of us did. <laughs> yeah. No, we we had tractors and plows. There you go. There you go. I mean, so, so okay. So when you were when you finally become an adult, when did these start manifesting in a way that you could start taking them seriously? When you start understanding what you've been given, yeah, it really came to fruition um, in about two thousand four. Um, I started reading a course in miracles. It's an independent self study guide to spirituality, to realize that the divine is within your heart. It's not in a church, and it's not a formal religion. It's not a cult. It's just a study book. So I started reading, and then I worked on meditation, and that ability to come into a very deep meditation started coming back. So I was in the ER, and I'm starting to have that presence again. No, excuse me. Let me just back up. In residency, I started seeing colors again. I saw colors on people's hearts, red, green, and blue. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And then I started to see auras on people. So I could tell, for example, I, I trained in intensive care unit medicine. And um, I could tell when somebody was going to die or when they were going to live, because I could see the color of their aura. And it was usually a black, light gray, to clear, to sometimes white. And did, I could did, see this. Did this, did, this, did this kind of freak out your, uh, your, your copandres there in, in, in residency? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> when you started calling people's deaths? <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't tell anybody about okay. any of this. Okay. So here's here's what happened. Um, I, I went to a play with a friend, and I was kind of like feeling cocky. And, and I looked over there, and I said, no, see that guy over there? Yeah. Well, he's going to die because I could see his black aura. Oh, and, and my friend just grabbed my arm and said, that's my uncle. Whoops. <laughs> he died of metastatic prostate cancer six months later, and he didn't tell anybody. So I decided I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> wow. And uh, it, it's just been better that way. So many times I see things and I just like, uh, yeah, they're fine. Oh, in regards to even today, even to this day? Yep. But yep. do you do read, do you do, do you tell people about what their auras are like or not at all? When they're, well, yes. When When I know I've had several friends that have had, recent major surgeries, they're scared. And I know beyond, I know, I, I see that they're going to be fine. Okay. And so I if it's tell in the positive, If it's in the yes. positive, you'll, you'll yes. mention Yes, but it. if I told you, you've got a black aura and it's getting darker, that adds to your fear. 
it, and, and that stress. adds and right. stress. And you're thinking, you see, um, it, it, that's not a good thing to do. I I, I want to bring peace to people. I want to bring love. I don't want to in, in, engender fear. So that makes that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Okay. So, so when do you start? You know, using these gifts in a more professional capacity, if you will. Yeah, that started um, certainly in 2007. Um, I became very comfortable with a presence always on my right side. And now I'm in, uh, it really started the emergency room where there's a lot of chaos and trauma and insanity going on. And um, I was reading The Course in Miracles and meditating. And uh, a voice started coming to me. And so the very first one, and I wrote about this in my book, um, I get, get little uh, inklings or nudges or pushes, do this, do that. But this was a full-blown conversation, which got my attention. Um, a lady came in, and she was professionally dressed, unresponsive, and obviously she's going to die. And that's it. That's all the information I get. She collapsed at work. So the voice said to me, this lady has Tylenol poisoning. Get a, order a, a stat lab. Well, that's not a routine lab in the emergency room. That's like a second or third tier lab. But I ordered that first. and It came back critically high. So we gave her the antidote and saved her life. But the voice was as clear as me and you speaking right now. And very forceful, and as I had no doubt. My peers are looking at me, why are you doing a talk screen on this patient? She probably had a heart attack or a seizure. Well, I listened to the voice, and then I started to trust that voice. So I'll just give you um, another example. And by the way, I give you lots of examples, but mm -hmm. um, a 15-year-old child comes in, and he was in the playground running, and he fell. He passed out for a second, scun his knees, got up. No big deal, right? Sure. They'll do it. So mom hears this after dinner. Um, they decided maybe we should go to the ER and have him checked out. So... I, it's at the end of my shift. I'm looking at going home, and they give me this. My shift ends at 7, at 6.30. This young child comes in. He's got banged up knees. He feels fine, completely no symptoms whatsoever. And Christ said very clearly, put your hand and touch him. And as I did this, he said, this child has metabolic syndrome. It's just a, a, a disease that kids get. It's rare. and he said this child had VTAC, which is a malignant heart rhythm because he had a heart attack. That's why he fell. So he said, get a cardiac enzyme. Now, a kid comes in with scun knees, and I'm ordering a heart test to see if he had a heart attack. And my nurses are snickering and laughing and like, he's lost it. He needs to go home. Well, it came back extremely elevated. Um, normal is around. 0.01 this was like 3.57 okay he's had a heart attack and um he ended up going to boston we shipped him to boston and he had what's called the widowmaker's lesion in his left main artery it's lethal he had 95 percent closure so they were able to stent it 
and saved his life. That's the power of that voice when it starts to come. Well, you, you mentioned something a few seconds ago that we have not discussed. You said Christ. Now, you, now I know that that's the voice who's talking to you, but the audience is not aware of this information. So can you talk a little bit about the voice and when you first saw or have you ever seen or just, just purely hearing the voice of Christ? Well, I've seen Christ in this human plane, and I've seen Christ in kind of, I don't know what to call it, the astral plane, etheric plane. Sure. But we can talk about that in a bit. Um, Christ is just, I can call him Jesus. I can call him the Holy Spirit. It's the voice of God. It's the divine. Um, I grew up Catholic. It's what I'm comfortable with. But when this voice talks to you, you, you can name it Fred. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care. So it, it, in many ways, it might that voice might come in the in the form of Christ because that is the belief system you were raised with and you're comfortable with that. If you would have been in Asia, it might be Buddha. Correct. But Correct. the voice is the voice. It comes from a divine place, whatever it, it is. It's It's my voice, but not my knowledge. So let me ask you, when you first started hearing this, because we're talking about something fairly, you know, outside the box. Uh, when you hear voices, what did you think? <laughs> like, did you like, you, I'm assuming you said, what's going on? Why am I hearing voices? Did you ever question it? Or was there just a sense of peace inside of you? And you understood and completely accepted it? It, it was, um, it was a complete acceptance a complete oneness, a complete mm -hmm. knowing. There was never doubt. In, in, in all the times I've heard it, there's never doubt because you connect with something that is so profound, There, is, the doubt is gone. It just, it's the way it is. It's a knowing. You already know. It's like you're going to take a test and here's all the answers to the test. You already know that you're going to pass. That's Okay, it's not so bad. But this voice is so powerful and clear. Um, there's no doubt in your mind. And you don't even care what others think. Well, speaking of others, as you continue to order insane tests for, for a child who skinned their knee and things like that, at what point does your superiors, your colleagues, they just start to look at what you're doing and going, I mean, the questioning is what's going on and why is this man always seems to be right in the most, you know, is it, is it embraced? Do you get scolded for doing that? Like, what is that? What's your, because from my understanding, the medical community, not the most open-minded uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. No, no. <laughs> so tell me. Uh, mostly when I do this, uh, it's, they can't believe I'm doing what I'm doing. And then there's there's the snickering in the background, and but then when I'm right, um, people are astounded, like how did you do that? So they finally just said, you know, he's just really smart, and yeah, you know he, he's just a really a smart doctor. And I said in my mind, I never said this to people, but I'm not that smart. But what I'm good at is listening. That's where I'm good at. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. 
because I've learned to trust that voice. And that voice then tells me what to do to save someone's life. So your your colleagues put you in the box of he's a smart doctor because that's the only thing that they can wrap their head around. Correct. They can't. And did you ever, men, you didn't mention like, oh, I have a voice telling me what to do. You never say that out loud. No, no, no never did. <laughs> smart move, my friend. <laughs> yes, yes. Smart, so, smart move. Well, I mean, conservative. So, but at this point, it doesn't matter. Obviously, you're doing interviews and you're public about what you do um, because it doesn't matter at this point, correct? Yes. I'm, it, I'm no longer under the auspices of the board or my colleagues. And yeah. so th then, uh, yeah. You're out of the spiritual closet, as they say. Yes. <laughs> I, I have, I have self-diagnosed myself that um, I have divine schizophrenia. And because schizophrenia is I see things and hear things that you don't, correct? Right. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the definition of it. Human schizophrenia is, you know, you, you want to hurt somebody, but divine is this, where I see and hear and am guided, and I've learned to be quiet and just let that voice guide me and channel what needs to come out. So I like that diagnosis. So not a bad diagnosis at all. What I find fascinating about you, doctor, is your energy is so calming. Uh, you just have such a, a great bedside manner. Uh, in, in a sense, because your voice, I mean, I, I talk to very special people all the time. Your energy, I can read just from my own empathic abilities could just, and anyone who could just listen to your voice is very calming and your energy is very calming, almost in a meditative state. How long have you been like this? And this kind of like, this kind of level of, of, of calm? Um, I, I would say, uh, boy, um, probably during medical school, when I started residency, would be the time that I noticed it because of the stress of yeah. of what you have to do, and most people get upset and angry and burned out, and and I found that learning to relax, and, and in, in essence, take a step back from, quote, the insanity, the appearance of it, what's going on, and, and that created a presence, and that's what you're feeling, is that, that I've learned to step back, and that allows, I'm, I call it creating a space for God to step into that place of peace. And then, so the uh, God is in front of me and goes before me in every situation. And I've, I've learned to nurture that, and all day long, for me, it's a constant meditation now in, in my adult life of staying in balance, staying in harmony, staying centered in divine consciousness, not getting unhappy, really sad, up, down, all the duality that we, we believe in. I've learned to step back and just watch and, and let the divine take care of it for me. Do you ever have other conversations that are not medical with the divine? Um, he tells me when I've lost my wallet where it is. Um, <laughs> that's a by the way, handy, handy, handy guy to have around. <laughs> yep, yep. 
um, intuition about don't buy this car. Um, in my own life, I had a massive stroke that took out my right side. And um, I was at the point of death. They gave me TPA and uh, it's a clot buster. So I'm paralyzed in the uh, ER. And that voice told me, see, I didn't see Christ at that point, but the, the ER turned all white. And in the voice said, you are going to walk out of here. And so the next day I walked out of that hospital, having been completely paralyzed on my right side. So that loving voice, yes, did talk to me on a very deep level and on several other occasions. Now, do you, so your abilities with the divine is more diagnostic than it is healing? Or am I incorrect with that? Um, healing... I can I can facilitate healing. Okay. I can't I can't heal. If you have an illness, I can look and say here here's why you have the illness, but I can't do anything about it. And God can't do anything about it unless you say I accept this that I have the power within myself to heal myself because that's the power of God. The best I can do is hold a light and say, here you are, talk you through it, explain the illness so that you understand it and you're not afraid of it. And you go, oh, that's all it is. So once you understand something and you change your belief in what you're thinking about, so imagine that you've got this horrible disease and you you what do you do? You go outside of yourself and talk to doctors and specialists. You talk to your friends and everybody's giving you negative energy. They're reinforcing the belief that you've got this illness. And by the way, you're probably going to die a horrible death. And, you know, well, what if we change that belief and, and from, I'm going to be quiet now and say, what does God have to say? And he'll say, Alex, you are healed. Because we are one. We are one in divine love. Let that love out. And you're going, right. <laughs> no, I, I. But it's true. No, 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 no. I'm not saying right like you just said. I'm saying you're reinforcing everything I know to be true. Yes, but most people. Go right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's lost it. But, <laughs> but the more accepting you are of the truth that I and my father are one, the faster you heal. So I've had three cancers. I've had colon cancer, kidney cancer, and testicular cancer. Wow. Did, so, did, did the voice tell you why you are having? Yeah. Why are you, what's the challenge? Why are you being challenged with this? Or what is, what are you doing that it was, is causing it? It, it's a stress manifestation from working in the emergency room. And they're very tough shifts, 14 hours of just getting hammered. And I did that for 14 years. And um, it just builds up. The stress just gets pushed down. And what do those organs do? They eliminate. So you're trying to eliminate, but you can't. So it manifests as an illness. So I talked to the doctors. And they say, you know, we have to do this, chemo, radiation tests. They even want to take my kidney. And I said, I told this, I, I kind of like my kidney. 
just in all three cases, I refuse to believe in the reality of these illnesses. I refuse to give power over me. As Christ said to Pontius Pilate, you have no power except that what I give you. And because you're not of God, God did not create the cancer. The stress of working in the ER created the cancer. And so I then knew I had this feeling that the doctors, I, I would say, I hear you, but I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to listen to what you say. And I told very few people about what was going on because I did not want their negative energy dumped on me. In all three cases, the tumors were completely scarred off. And normally tumors have got, they're like weeds, right? Mm -hmm. These were completely scarred off. And the surgeon just did a a quick uh, curette cut, cut the cancer out. 100% cure, that was in 2014. 100% cure, no chemo, no radiation, because I was guided not to do that. Said you're done. And so by learning that you have the power to heal yourself, okay, I, I don't have a hundred percent conviction, but I've got pretty good conviction. I still did the surgery, I'll still do what's common sense, but I can change by thinking that this has no power over me, and and I can bring in divine light and let that heal me. That's what I do. So when people want to talk to me, I don't heal you of disease. I can't do that. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But I can help facilitate and help you understand, okay, you have this issue. Here's how we can take this apart change your belief about it, that you're not a victim, learn to pick up the energy that's in your heart where the divine touches you mm-hmm. and let that energy flow into your problems. And it doesn't matter if it's financial or relationship or health. It, it does not matter. You know, it, it's, it's just um, a concept and we can change that. I mean, it's, not, it's everything you're talking about reinforces so many things I've said on the show and heard on the show is that all the power that you need is within yourself. And once you, once you accept that or understand that at a deep level, a, a knowing level, yep. then, then quote unquote miracles happen in your life. Exactly. It, it, you it, always it, have peace. Now, you also mentioned the astral plane uh with jesus and, and and what happens in that and please can you i'd love to hear some stories in, in, in your astral travels which would be fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah the um i'll share one last um story about um christ in this plane in in the human plane i always see christ as red as a red bead and it's usually when somebody's dying so the first really profound experience I had was an 80-year-old woman came in who was in cardiac arrest and coding. And we ran the code for 20 minutes. Uh, she was in, she was flatlined the whole time and it said, time to quit. And so everybody left the room. 
And I've always, um, I like to pray for my patients when they pass away. So I'd hold their hand uh, against my heart. And I decided this time I'm going to ask Christ to come. So Jesus, please come and take this lady home rather than our Father who art in heaven. In that instant, this beautiful lady, um, her aura became white to me, laying on the gurney, and she, she sat up, and I could see her face, and she said, thank you. And then the next thing I saw was the red aura of Christ. It's just a bead, and, and the two merged together, and went across my visual field, and up into these these golden gates that opened up, and then two beautiful hands came out and pulled them in. I call that process now birthing somebody into heaven, and every uh, trauma patient or people who have died, I always see this every time when I ask, and it, it's a, it's just a beautiful experience. So that's the vision of gifts. I, I, I'm backing up a little bit. I'm going back to my gifts. But having the vision of knowing the presence, hearing, and seeing on this plane. Going into the astral plane, that's, that's a slightly different story. I learned, I thought, wouldn't it be fun to fly again like I did as a kid? I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So I learned that I could still do that. So I would lay down. Usually when I meditate, I sit. But when I travel, I'm laying down in the bed and I relax. So over a span of two years, I I would take trips. And most of the times I would go around the earth, traveling around, and I could go faster and faster. That was really fun. But then I thought, I wonder if I can go farther. The underlying story here is that my mind is expanding in going to infinite dimensions. So then I went to the moon, then I went to the sun, then I went inside the sun, watched at a molecular level all the molecules colliding. Then I flew through our Milky Way. Then I went beyond the Milky Way into some sort of a purpley plane. But my mind was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I came to the edge of of the purple plane, and I saw this is the edge of what I call the separated mind. That being here, we believe we're separate from God. Well, there's there's an edge to that. So I see the edge of this plane, and I'm looking at a waterfall of clouds. And what I call Christ came through that cloud, grabbed me, and pulled me through. In this instance, Christ was white, and and I could see him. And peppered in with this, there's many other uh, instances, but I think you get the idea. Being pulled into that uh, white light, all concepts of rod, time, space, it's all gone, and you become a, a pure thought of awareness, a pure thought of love, and you see just a beautiful white sphere of infinite dimensions you become one that being that that i call christ guided me and and eventually brought me and said do you want to meet god and i thought 
okay, I got to think about that because of my Catholic upbringing, fear, punishment, damnation, you know, he's pissed off about you Never meet your heroes. Never meet your heroes. <laughs> well, you know, I, and I, I was creative. Let's just say that as a kid. Sure. And anyway, but when that loving presence, Christ said, stay here, just stay. And that loving presence comes. That is incredible that you're, you're surrounded and filled with love and tremendous peace, joy and happiness. And I can't even describe it. it it's, it's inevitable. But it, I was held in the arms of love for a while. And I came back, I woke up, it was probably a two-hour meditation, and the whole week was just, everything was beautiful. I could see, I could see the divine, like in everything. And then later, I had more uh, instances of seeing that. But now I feel it. it. I meditate every day, I read something spiritual, and I feel it. When I get a longer meditation, uh, I get to see that white light again sometimes i just see it where I'm, I'm i'm here it's just like oh protecting me and walking with me it's like your best friend someone you love dearly is just right there you don't have to say anything it's just a feeling a feeling that you have and that's what i give to the world that's what i give to the world did you with all of your travels and with everything that you've done and the things you've seen and experienced, what is your, have you been shown other information about our reality, other informations about why we're here, um, why we choose to incarnate again and again, and these more deeper questions that are outside the medical field? Yeah. Um, I, I think that the way for me is that if you read in the Bible, um, I was looking this up the other day in Genesis, it says Adam fell into a deep sleep and he never woke up. Mm -hmm. So imagine you are divine, eternal energy and you and God are one. And in fact, you're one with everything in the room that you're sitting in. You're one with, it's just that your eyes are deceiving you and you're sleeping. During that sleep, you precipitate into a body and you think, I'm having this life. That's why you can heal. You can bring God into that dream and change it. Then eventually you die and move on. As you go through these incarnations, they're learning experiences. And the lesson is to remember that I and my father are one. So God's constantly tapping, saying, wake up, wake up, let's go play. But you're not quite ready to accept that you're worthy of that love. So deep, deep down, there's a guilt that I left God and he's offended at me, which is not true. And right. God said, like, why are you sleeping? And but, but you're, you're slowly waking up. And I, I truly believe each lifetime you, you you're, you're ascending in light and energy. You're getting brighter and brighter. So eventually you get to the point of, oh, I don't need any more lifetimes. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. I can, I can choose peace right now and wake up. And that's enlightenment that people have. And for a human being, it's a temporary experience. The energy of God is like 220 volts. And this body runs on 110 volts. You're going to blow a few fuses. So I don't have a sustained state of enlightenment. I have touches of it. But I said, I'm good. <laughs> I have learned what I need to learn. And and at the point of death, that's it's it's to me is is so beautiful because yeah, you're laying your body down. If you lay it down in peace, that is truly beautiful because you want to be able to let go of all your grievances, your upsets, your past. You lay it down in forgiveness and love. And then the divine is right there, opens the gates and says, Welcome home, my child. You're the prodigal son. When are you going to stand, stop eating with the pigs and stand up and walk home? Well, that's what we're doing. At some point, you get the tap and you start doing podcasts. You start reading books. You start talking to people. You're going, I have a thirst to know. I want to know. And I'm saying, you see that light? That's where you want to go. Stop walking these crooked roads and ask the divine in whatever form you want to choose to accept him. Um, you know, you got Yogananda behind you. You've got Buddha behind you. God doesn't care. He's just saying, I'll be a tree if you want. You know, I'll be a cane if you want. But walk with me and I will lead you straight home. That's beautiful. Uh Doctor, at a certain level, did you have you seen who you've been in other lifetimes, and did you choose, and did you choose and plan the one that you're in currently? Yes, I have seen myself in other lifetimes. Um, the ones that come to mind, just just quickly, um, I, I was a soldier in World War II, and I was shot in my left lower abdomen in a trench and there was gunfire and fighting and a bomb landed next to me. My friends were trying to get me out and they ran when they saw the bomb and the bomb exploded. And then my body was killed and I immediately, I was in heaven and I thought that's all there is. It was just instantaneous peace. Just everything was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> There was a time uh, in the Middle Ages, I was uh, a young child, and the family had too many children in it, so I was sold into servitude for a rich English family, and I was a stable boy. So I took care of the horses, and I felt this intense abandonment, and that fear stayed with me for quite some time. Many lifetimes that you had to deal with that. I had a sense of abandonment. There's that. And um, there was another time that um, I was a German officer in the SS, and we were hunting Jews. So we well, you, that's the out. same. Is that the same World War II soldier or two, two different? World War, World War I. Oh, World War I, and then World War II. Got it. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you said World War II at the beginning. That's why I was confused. Got I'm it. sorry. My yeah, no, World War One trench world warfare. I was shot and killed and went into heaven. Then I had another memory of being a child being sold. Mm-hmm. And then I had another memory of being a German officer. And so this family, we, we were rounding them up. And I told the mom and the two children, you stay in the closet. The kitchen was yellow. I could see everything clearly. And I, I shot the cabinet um, away from these people so the guards could hear the gunfire. And I told them, be very quiet. Help is coming to, to, to rescue you. So those are three. I've got a few more, but I don't remember being a, a great healer or saint or anything like that. But uh, well, I do well, remember uh, being a monk. Many times a monk in monasteries, things like that, in teaching. And normally, you know, when you hear about past lives, you're very famous. So apparently you you're the only one that's not famous. <laughs> you weren't like these, you weren't Alexander the Great, you, you know, you weren't Buddha uh, in a former life. You 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 lived, you know, quiet I, you lives. Know, I, I was just Rod. <laughs> I was just just Rod. <laughs> Rod. Yeah. Do so, you have a, a very, do you have a different perspective on life in general, what we're here to do, how you function on a day-to-day basis, knowing the knowledge that you do in regards to this? I mean, you've been able to tap into source energy and have access to consciousness in many ways uh, at a higher level than most human beings walking the planet. I'm assuming that kind of changes your perspective as you walk the planet. Yeah. My job is to hold the light and hold the peace, kind of like the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And I refuse to, to to engage in what the news shows me about wars and earthquakes. and And I always offer love and compassion. Everybody is asking for love and compassion and they want their energy to be raised up so if i look at somebody and say you've done bad acts i'm going to condemn you i'm pushing them down away from their source which is god so it's like you're a lamp and you've got shades on you so you've got a mail you've got a hat you got whatever well let's take some of those off What's going to happen to your light? If I change your perception of yourself, that you're you know, not a nice person, and say, I see Christ in you, I'm taking the light, the lampshades off, you're going to be brighter and you're going to see farther. So you're going, oh, I can change my life. So I, I have gone from the spectrum of treating the President of the United States all the way to the homeless people of Bangor. Okay, that's quite a range. And in both cases, I said, they're just people. And they need light and love. And it doesn't matter if it's the president or this homeless man. They both need it. They just, we judge them differently. We're all on the same journey. Just they decided to, to play different parts in this giant movie that we're in. You you have you you chose a lampshade. This one chose this lampshade. 
And then society judges that. So even with the with the president, I said he's a man. And underneath that, there's still Christ consciousness that's trapped in this. He needs love and guidance. Putin needs love and guidance. All of them people do. in this earthquake need love and guidance. These are the scenarios they have chosen to to learn. And my job, what I like to think of it, is I'm going to be a bright light so that maybe you don't have to go through 10,000 lifetimes. Maybe you only have to go through a couple before you finally wake up. That makes me extremely happy. Now, I have to ask you, you worked with you, you worked with a pre, one of the presidents? Yes. Is that a story you can share? Uh probably not. <laughs> no, it it was uh let you know yeah, I I can share it. He was it it was President Bush doing um a speech for first, first or second. Second. Uh, second, okay. Yep. And he was doing a um a, a campaign speech at Bangor Airport. Mm -hmm. So I just got to be extremely close and I kept my mouth shut. There's a lot of guys with guns. It's like, okay, not a good time to insult anybody. But um yeah, <laughs> it it was nice to be able to, to meet him, you know. So but what struck me is he's still a per he still believes he's a person. He needs friends, real friends that don't want anything from him. So I just offered him love and guidance. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Then the next day I'm in the ER and I've got a homeless man and he's crying because he says, I can't help it. I drink, I can't. And I could still see the Christ in him as much as I could see the Christ in, in the president. And so doesn't matter what the appearance is. That's a distraction. That's right. all it is. So if you learn to be quiet and see with your spiritual vision, and you go, oh, I, I see myself in you and in everything around me, and it, it's beautiful. I'm going to make it brighter and brighter and let that divine love light up the earth. Then I'm going to let it light up the sunship. And that goes back and heals all the way back in time. It goes all the way forward in time. It's an incredible power that we have to sit there and just say, I'm going to light up the sunship. Doc, uh, I can keep talking to you for a little while, but I think I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna just end it with asking you a few questions that I ask all of my guests. Yeah. Um, what is your definition of living a good life? Human definition or spiritual? Both. <laughs> Both. To me, living a good life is being of service and helping people. That that It always brought me such joy as a physician to take care of little scratches all the way to I saved your life. And I like helping my friends. I like helping strangers because I get to feel this divine love flow through me first and then i can give then there's a blessing coming back it's a circle of love of, of love and then gratitude it fills you up it's 
it's just fills me up so that's a good life and and the spiritual is the same is that i have released divine love into this life and i've touched one person that now they've gone from a 50 watt bulb to a 75 watt they go i can see farther thank you that's it so how do you define god I am oneness. And the ultimate purpose of life? To wake up. This human life, to wake up. Because once you've had that experience, you'll never be the same. You'll say, this is so profoundly beautiful. All I want to do is give it to everybody. I want to give you the intense love that I'm feeling right now to you and to everybody around me because when you have that love you won't want anything else except to give that and keep giving it and where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing um i, I do have a website uh it's dr dr rod chelbert at dot com and then um so there's uh Mostly, I, I I listen, I help, I do, I channel spiritual energy. Um, I don't cure people of their illnesses. That's their job. That's their journey. But I help facilitate. And then I have written a book, When God Calls, Say Yes. <laughs> it's about my experiences and the unreality of death, what it's like in the astral plane, what it's like now in healing. So and that's on Amazon. Just when God calls, say yes, or just Doctor, or just Rod Chalberg. I do believe I'm the only Rod Chalberg in the United States, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> but I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> um, and do you have any final words for our audience? I I wish you all a, a divine blessing of love, and I wish you light and peace that you may get to feel what I feel, and wake up. I wish you enlightenment and peace. Thank you so much, Dr. Rod. I appreciate you you sharing your story and the work that you're doing for humanity oh. and all of us. So I appreciate you, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. This is wonderful. Really, truly. I want to thank Dr. Rod so much for coming on the show and sharing his story with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 229. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.